Nehemiah, starting in chapter 1. Nehemiah is a, uh, he lives in Susa, which is the capital of the empire. And uh, he has some Jewish brothers come to him. And, well, it says his brother and some other Jews. So they maybe didn't use the word brothers. But um, he asked about how, how's the remnant doing? How's Jerusalem doing? And they tell him that, oh, they're, they're really in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem's broken down. The gates are burned with fire. And so he just, uh, he weeps and mourns and cries out to God and said, God, we, we deserve the punishment that came on us. We, we turned away from you. But Lord, let your ear now be attentive, your eyes open to the to the prayers of your servant, meaning me. I'm praying before you now, day and night, on behalf of the sons of Israel. So we've we've acted very corruptly. We've we've sinned against you, me and my father's house. But remember the words you said to Moses that if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the people. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though those of you who have been scattered were in the most remote part of the heavens. I will gather them from there and will bring them to the place that, where I have chosen to cause my name to dwell. So he's reminding God of his promises and saying, Lord, I'm seeking you. Um, how can you help us? Please help what I'm about to do be successful, that you give compassion to the king, which I'm about to approach, because Nehemiah is the cupbearer of the king. So he hands... He drinks the cup first to make sure there's no poison in it, and then he hands it to the king. So he's right by the king's side all the time for, for all his meals. And uh, he's going to do something that's quite outside of his uh, normal things that he would do. And we're on to chapter 2. He had never been sad in front of the king. It's probably part of his job that he not be sad. I mean, you know, he, this is the king. He could kill anybody for bad service at any time. So that's a pretty serious thing to to make a bold uh, ask of the king. and uh, But he looks sad, and the king says, Why do you look so sad? Are you sick? What's going on? And he looks like you're, it's a sadness of the heart. And so then Nehemiah tells the king, Let the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my father's tombs, lies desolate, and its gates have been consumed by fire? So the king says, What would you have me do? And he says, Please, if I found favor in your eyes, send me to Judah, and I will rebuild it. So the king was happy to do it, and they made plans as far as how long he'd be gone, when he would return, that sort of thing. And he got the king to write him letters of safe passage, and also letters to Asaph, keeper of the king's forest, to give him timber to build the walls. When he came to the, uh, the officials of that area, of the Levant, you know... Um, uh, basically in modern day Israel, um, they, those guys were Sanballat and Tobia, and they were not happy about this letter. And so he spends the first three days just scouting around Jerusalem. He doesn't tell anybody there what he's going to do. He's just kind of looking things over. Then after all his inspections, he announces to the people there, you see this bad situation, the city is desolate, the gates are burned by fire, come on, let's rebuild this. And then when Sambalot and Tobiah heard about it, they start mocking him and said, what are you doing, rebelling against the king? Which seems weird because he just had the letter, um, but maybe the letter didn't mention the building of the walls. It just mentioned safe passage and, and uh, logs. I don't know. Uh, but he says, 
Nehemiah says, The God of heaven will give us success, therefore we, his servants, will arise and build. But you have no portion, right, or memorial in Jerusalem. And then we're on to chapter 3. And then chapter 3 is just a detailed list of all the different parts of the wall that are being rebuilt, by which people, which families, people from different cities, and the details of what's, what's in the area of the city and the wall in that area. And you can read that. And then we're on to chapter 4. So Sambalat and Tobia are up in uh, Samaria um, mocking what they're doing and uh, just just making fun of them in every way. And, and then the, you know, the people of Judah are crying out to God, God, we're despised. Look at their, you know, they're mocking us. Well, maybe that's not specifically the people of Judah. It's more uh, Ezra and Nehemiah, the, the author, Ezra, crying out. But apparently they were being effective because the builders were demoralized by this mocking. <clears throat> but they they kept working and they got it built to half its height or connected to half its height. I, I, I guess that means they, the wall got connected at the bottom portion, but it still had a ways to go up top. And But Sambalat, Tobia, the Arabs, the Ammonites, the Ashdodites uh, were upset about this, became angry, and they decided to uh, attack Jerusalem. But the people of Judah prayed. So the people are scared, you know, they're, they're, they've prayed to God, but they're still scared they're going to be attacked. And so um, he is, uh, Nehemiah is going around saying, um, yeah, I guess it's Nehemiah speaking, um, you know, I, I guess, because it's, it's believed Ezra wrote the whole thing, but I, obviously he knew Nehemiah, so I guess Nehemiah would relate to him what he was experiencing, and Ezra wrote it down. <clears throat> so, he said, When I saw their fear, I rose and spoke to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people. Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome, and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. So they'd been tipped off of this coming attack, and when the, their enemies found out that they knew that they were going to be attacked, um, they they were kind of frustrated. So uh, they didn't actually attack. And um, from that day on, the workers, they, they kind of took shifts where the workers would, half the time they would be building, and, and the other half of them, or the other half of the time, they would... Uh, have you know spears, shields, bows, and be prepared to fight. So they're, you see, they're kind of. It's a good picture of us. They're kind of in between two worlds. Um, one of them is about the uh, the building of the wall, and the other one is about <laughs> defending, fighting. Uh, just as we are in the world, but not of it. We're you know we have to we have to uh, attend to the things in the physical world the Lord sets in front of us, but our, our true life and where we should have our focus is on the spiritual world. So these people would have, uh, they would be carrying a load, maybe a rock or whatever they needed for the work in one hand, and then they'd have a weapon in the other. So they, they were living this dual existence. And they had a plan with the trumpeteers, you know, if... if uh, if they fight over here, sound the trumpet over here so we can help you over there and, and likewise over here. And all the people, they basically slept there. I mean, they weren't going back to their homes. They were staying on guard for imminent attack at all times. And then we're on to chapter 5. And then there's a great outcry among the people. It's, it's, it's kind of shifted gears here. Um, 
there, people are crying out because um, they're they're poor. There's a famine in the land, and uh, the 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 people that have you know people are trying to work the fields, but they need grain and stuff, and they're a lot of, you know they're working on the on the wall, and so <clears throat> they don't have. Well, you know, I'm sure a lot of young men are working on the walls and the older men are saying, hey, we need them in the fields. And they're saying the people that are lending us money are charging us outrageous interest. And so uh, Nehemiah hears of this and becomes angry and uh, says, you're exacting usury, each from his brother. He's saying we've, re- we've redeemed our, our Jewish brothers from slavery, basically being sold to the nations. But now you want them to be your slaves? So you should be walking in the fear of God because of the reproach of the nations, our enemies. He says, I'm, I I don't fully understand. I I think he means I'm giving a a decent interest rate, reasonable. And and likewise, I, my brothers and my servants are lending them money and grain. Please let us leave off this usury. Maybe he's lending for no interest because I think that's part of the law of Moses is that they should not lend to each other at interest. So he's saying, I'm lending to them with no interest. And, um, you know, what, why are you trying to break their backs with your heavy interest? So he says, you know, give back their fields, their vineyards, their olive groves, their houses. So if you've taken them because they couldn't pay you or you're holding it, you're holding over their head that you can take them. If they don't pay, um, you need to just give it back. And the people agree and they say, OK, we will do it without requiring anything from them. We'll do exactly what you say. And so Nehemiah, you know, said, said that's good and may, he shook his his robe and he, his garment and he said uh, may God shake out anyone who doesn't abide by this people say amen and so they've they've got a new promise here and so then he gives us a little recap he says he's he's been governor for 12 years and he um he never took the uh the governor's food allowance from the people that was due to him he said the former governors had laid heavy burdens on the people, but but he did not. It does lay out. He said there's 150 officials that ate at his table, and uh, it does lay out that uh, they, each day they would have one ox, six sheep, and birds, and uh, once every 10 days, all sorts of wine were furnished in abundance. So I'm assuming that comes from the people, but I I don't know the details of what the governor could. Uh, could require, but apparently they could require a lot more than this. Uh, just, I guess, so the governor or the, uh, you know, the governor himself could become uh, rich for the, you know, for the burden of, of uh, responsibility that he had. But he says, I did not take it. And so he, and he ends it by saying, remember me, oh my God, for good, according to all that I've done for this people. And that's it for today. We'll pick up on chapter six tomorrow. God bless you.